And I went to a, a tree nursery and this very old lady who had been like clearly been growing trees for 90 years or more um was was ba- i basically said i need a tree that grows fairly fast so i can get some shade in my yard and she said all the trees that grow fast uh will blow over in the wind when they get tall so you don't want those what you want is a tree that grows slowly cuz it'll it'll last many many years right it will, won't blow over it'll be nice and strong and I said, yeah, but I don't want to wait for the shade. And she said, well, then do this. Plant a fast-growing tree now and a slow-growing tree now. And when the fast-growing tree grows up and is so big that it's about to fall over in the wind, cut it down. And by then, your slow-growing tree will be big enough that it also gives you shade. And I thought, what a cool concept for a lot of things in business and in life to invest in both the short-term and the long-term. Hey there, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. The journey from freelancing to running your own agency comes with its own unique set of challenges. Challenges that Clay and I have both faced while building our own successful businesses. And on this show, we sit down with freelancers and agency builders like you for value-packed on-air coaching sessions with one focus. Taking your business from freelance to founder. We'd love to have you join us on the air for an upcoming episode. To learn how to get your free coaching sessions like the guests you hear on our show, visit freelance2founder.com and click on the microphone icon. We are here and ready to help you take action in your business. On today's call, we chat with Mihai Zamfir, who has done some incredible work in building a presentation design company. Right now, he gets a fair amount of new clients using sites like Upwork or other freelance marketplaces, but he's ready to start finding better clients in more intentional ways. All of this leads us to an answer-rich coaching session all about short-term versus long-term sales strategies, cold pitching versus content marketing. On the one hand, cold pitching is hard and has notoriously bad conversion rates. But on the other hand, content marketing is very time and labor intensive. So what's the right path for you to get more clients? We'll help you answer that question and many more after this quick message from our sponsors. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. 
Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, we're excited to be on the air today with our friend Mihai Zamfir from Romania. Welcome to the show, Mihai. Hi, Tristan. So glad that you're here. And of course, joining me on the air, uh, as always, is Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hi, Clay. Welcome, welcome. I'm Thank so you. glad to be on the air again uh, and happy to be here with you guys. Today, we're going to learn a little bit about Mihai's business and where it's headed. Uh, we've we've talked off the air about this conversation. I think it's going to be a good one. I think we should just dive right in. Mihai, why don't you tell us what, what kind of business are you running right now? What does your day-to-day look like? All right. Sure thing. So, hi, everyone. Thank you, Preston uh, and Clay, for having me on the show, uh, first of all. Uh, so, a brief you know, nutshell about me. I'm, I'm based in Bucharest, Romania. And for the past four years, I've been, I kind of like changed my orientation in my career and I'm a presentation designer. So what I do for a living in my day-to-day, my day-to-day is basically I'm the guy with PowerPoint. I'm the one that does PowerPoint. So I started this out actually five years ago as a freelance side hustle kind of thing when I was uh, in a broad experience. And then uh, after that, after I came back to Romania, then I... I thought, why don't I try to do this a bit more on a bigger scale? So I kind of like, eventually I did that full-time, it grew into a full-time job. And from then on, I even developed a small kind of agency. So now we have like a a boutique agency called Visual Hackers, where we're specialized in presentation design, infographics, and document design, mostly. Very nice. And, And how many people do you have working on your team right now? Uh, right now, we're about four people. So it's myself, uh, two other designers, one senior, one junior that we recently onboarded. And then uh, I have another uh, person that's a uh, girl that's helping me with marketing. I love it. It sounds like you're well on your way to growing a nice, mm-hmm. stable agency well, business. Hopefully. <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> that's the idea, right? Right. And and tell us a little bit about your client base. Who are your clients? Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you target? Who primarily hires you? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, on the first, uh, let's say on the first glance, when you look at it and when you say presentation design, you'd think that it's kind of like mostly everyone, right? Because everybody uses, uses PowerPoints, they do a presentation in one way or the other. Uh, that is true, kind of, because you can always expect clients to pop up from the most random places or industries sometimes. But most of the times, from what I saw, I have a lot of work when I, when I work, especially with startups because I help them uh, when they do have their pitch decks, they need to go get funding from an investor and they need a presentation to highlight their business and I help them help build them that. Um, I also work with directly with some investors and VCs for the same purposes or for their own decks. I okay. also work a lot with, with uh, speakers, especially keynote speakers, professional speakers, or, or people like consultants that also do speaking gigs and help them out with their presentation and speaking materials trainers then again uh for training materials and generally business presentations for example sales presentations company overview decks all these kind of presentations that usually you kind of email either an internal or an external uh purpose 
This is interesting to me. Um, So I'm very curious. So how many people do you work with as individuals versus companies? I'd say uh, quite a lot of them are, it depends if you consider, for example, a lot of small businesses that are also like one or two employees. And then, especially when it's about startups, when I work directly with the founders, you can count that as an individual or a company. But roughly, I would say maybe 20, 30% individuals and then still like majority are companies. Okay, okay. Why do you ask, Clay? Uh, well, so it's it's interesting because to me, um, uh, there's the reason I'm bringing this up is because there is a, I know some people that work in, uh, I guess it's kind of a niche or a niche, however you pronounce it, of people who work with professional speakers or consultants uh, that are personal brands versus like a company. Because I think in art, our industry, it's it's uh, more common to work with a, a small business versus a personal brand. And so, you know, if you're if you're working with 20, 30 percent personal brands, whether they're consultants, uh, speakers, things like that, um, I think that's a pretty good chunk of your business. So I think that that'll bring kind of an interesting conversation here. OK, that's interesting. Yeah, what I what I noticed is it sounds like a lot of your clients have have presentations that are very like high stakes presentations <laughs> meaning mm-hmm. if if the presentation goes well there's a lot there's a high ROI if if the presentation is successful they get a big investment or they you know get a a, a green light on a big project at work or something there's there's a lot That's of true. potential upside for the presentations these are not frivolous unimportant presentations you're working on. These are high stakes, important, potentially business changing, life changing presentations in some cases. I mean, I'm curious what the what you feel like the 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 balance is on that. Do you feel like most of your projects are high stakes? Or do you feel like most because you know, a lot of people think about PowerPoint and presentations and they think like, oh, how boring kind of, there's kind of this, right? <laughs> oh, another presentation, right? I have to sit through another presentation. So how, I guess, how many of your clients do you feel like are these high stakes, important presentations versus just kind of everyday, ordinary All right. PowerPoint well, slideshow? I think like over the years, it's definitely like grew to have more high stake presentations because as I try to kind of niche down, even in the presentation field, I try to further niche down in this to find the more valuable sector, basically asking myself, which are the clients that have the most money and that can that need my services and trying to go after those initially. So in the beginning, though, when I started and had lower rates, beginner rates, then, yeah, it was more personal presentations, maybe like 80% ah, or yeah. something like that. And then I started growing. Some, either I, I outgrew those projects, and that's perfectly fine to, to do on your way. Or later on when, uh, for example, now I can be choosy and picky on the projects that I work on. And I try to work on the more high stick presentations where I, for example, I have to do content because even though we do a lot of design, basically, uh, through the years, we found out that we can provide more value if we also try to learn how to build the content and the structure of the deck. So uh, that's also an area where we're gaining expertise. So I can try to choose those kind of projects and projects that are not that challenging or not high stakes, work, work them out with the team. I love this because I think there's there's maybe a couple things we can unpack for listeners here that we can learn from you and your company, Mihai. And that is, um, first of all, in the beginning, it's okay to take not the perfect job. It's okay to just take, you know, in, in Clay's story, he talks about 
basically just taking any job to keep food on the table. I've been there as well. <laughs> and <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with that. As long as, you know, you have a trajectory that will help you eventually start taking on the kinds of clients that you want. And the other the other thing that I really liked that you pointed out was you you realized you could add more value by helping create the content of the presentations. And where you can figure out where you can add more value, that's where you can start to not only make more revenue, but also get higher profile clients and leave some of those uh, bottom of the barrel clients behind. That's true. I mean, that's that's what we try to do, kind of. And in the beginning, especially like the thing is when I first started, like I, like I said, it was like kind of like a side hustle from my job because I was doing an internship and I had some free time and I said, okay, I want to do more. In the beginning, I was just, I don't know, struggling and trying to find jobs on freelance platforms because that's how I started using freelance platforms and I'm still using now. I'm on Upwork and that's still a good revenue source for me. Uh, then in the beginning, I was working, I don't know, the first presentation, if, if I'm being honest and if I remember right, I think it was like a 50 slide presentation for $20 or something like that. And it was like, oh, wow. do the next day. <laughs> Something like oh, wow. that. Wow. Sometimes, yeah, you have to do that kind of thing to get well, in the we've first all been job. There. <laughs> exactly. And it was that until I got the first job, the first feedback, and then the second feedback, and then things start to grow a bit more smooth. So I wonder if Clay and Mihai, you could uh, help out listeners in our audience who are maybe stuck in that, barely making ends meet, barely putting food on the table with their freelancing. Help them know how do you move to that next step? And maybe it's not a leap to the most profitable or most amazing projects, but it, maybe it's just that next step. How do you get out of mm -hmm. that cycle of just doing the bare minimum projects? Mm -hmm. mm, well, if it's from my perspective, um, it's kind of interesting. I read like an article of, about the two weeks ago. It was an interesting one. It was about maybe kind of the the traps of goal setting because we always have the ambition to set goals and then work backwards from them. But sometimes that may be counterproductive because it keeps you just on one path and you know, no, you cannot see maybe all opportunities. So oh. maybe it's like mm. a better approach. It's kind of like a stepping stone approach. So I'll just try, try an opportunity and then I see what other possibilities come out from that choice and then keep on further. Going a bit cliche is kind of like the Steve Jobs code, looking, connecting the dots, looking backwards, something like that. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good... Uh perspective there i i'd say for in addition to that um and, and and this is i don't think there's any like one magic pill that you can just take one step forward and say oh okay all of a sudden i'm, I'm <laughs> right on better projects but like kind of a thirty thousand foot view i think it's a couple of different things i think one your branding has to be uh pretty spot on i think branding and reputation um and then um uh, and what I mean by that is basically like you could be uh, you could be a quote unquote small time freelancer, but your branding can look otherwise look completely different. You know what I mean? Um, like your website could look uh, mm. the opposite of small time, your mm -hmm. your your logo, graphic design elements, things like that. Um, and then your reputation is quite simply just make sure you're doing top notch work Um and then I think there's just some, a couple other things too, like that a lot of people don't realize, realize it until they kind of get late, later on in, in, into business is like having your systems and processes in place. I, I think that has a big part of, of going from those small time projects to bigger projects. Um, 
Enlighten us, though, on the systems and processes idea. How, how does that impact moving to the next level in terms of getting better clients? Um, well, there's so many there's so many aspects to systems and processes, but uh, you know most people whenever they think systems and processes, they think efficiency, which is true. It's like how like what are the exact steps that you take uh, whenever you get a new client? It's like okay, do you take those steps every single time? And so you're able to be more efficient at your 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 work. Um, and when you're more efficient, your quality goes up, and you get better at it, and you get better at it, and you get better at it, and and, uh, and therefore you can start charging higher fees. Um, but the way I look at it as well is there's a whole another part of it. And, and, uh, Mihai, you kind of, you kind of mentioned it before, like you started doing these like pitch decks, um, or PowerPoint mm-hmm. and then you started adding on, uh, creating content. And so like the, the thing that came into my mind when you mentioned that was like, okay, part of like systems and processes is like, Okay, what services do I offer my clients at at one point? At what point? And so I think, I think every business it doesn't matter what kind of business I think they should all have a low level product, mid level product, and a high level product. Um, and and let's just say for example, you know th- these pitch decks are maybe your low your low level. I don't know, um, but maybe that's mm-hmm. kind of the entry point. But what's cool, but is that. And this is a way for people to to increase their fees too, and and get into better projects because the more the more dollars that are spent by one particular client, that means okay, that's a bigger client. Um, and so, like your low level product should solve one problem, but also create another one. So mm-hmm. your pitch decks, it, it solved the problem of okay, this person needs a pitch deck, right? So you're solving mm-hmm. that problem by doing it, but it also created another problem. Uh, where okay, but the client also needs content, and so you, you're you're whether you know it or not, you cut you move them up a level into okay. Now you're you're solving this other problem that your low level product uh, created, and so now you're able to make more money because you you now move that client from level one to level two. Uh, right. Yeah. Not only not mm-hmm. only did you do yeah, a pitch deck. But you're doing a pitch deck plus content, which means more dollars for that client to spend to, uh, with you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I that's, saw this kind of. I saw this as a as a freelance writer as well. Like at first, mm-hmm. I thought it was like, oh, people need articles, and then I thought, oh, people need articles that uh, that get a lot of clicks, and, and then I was like, oh, no, 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 people need articles that rank well in Google, mm-hmm. that get a lot of clicks. Uh, because what people really need are customers, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Or or advertising dollars. And so people, and so then you can start offering search engine optimized articles that also point to the company's product. And the company is willing to pay like 10 times for an article that will actually drive mm-hmm. business results than they are for just a willy nilly article written mm-hmm. just because it's, you know, content. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is people do this on accident. I think. And and I think if they do it on purpose, they can get so much more money out of it. And so what I mean by accident is people will just add on a service just for sake of adding on a service because they just think it's a good idea. Um, mm-hmm. But there's no like calculated thought behind it. And so on on yours, what I what I love about that example you gave, Preston, was, okay, 
you have some people need an article. Okay. You solve that problem by writing an article. Well, now it, so it created another problem was, okay, people now need it ranked. And so you're able to offer an upgrade up an upgraded level package um, that could, that solves that other problem. Um, and then in addition to that, you can offer another level of like, okay, here's how you get more clients. Um, I was just talking to a videographer friend of mine and videographers are notorious for this is because all they want to do is create video. Um, <laughs> but the big issue with clients is like, oh man, you made this great video. Um, that's fantastic. Okay. Now what do I do with it? Right. And so I was, I was yeah. having this conversation with a videographer friend. I'm like, dude, your level, your entry level, low level product is a video. You could totally sell them a level two or a mid level and say, oh, by the way, here's your video. Oh, and also I offer this other package that tells you exactly what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know, we had Bobby Macy, a good friend of mine on the show a few episodes back. And that's that actually happened to him. He's he makes video. He makes all kinds of content, but he does make video. And he, he was making videos for people on the side while he worked his day job. And it wasn't until he got let go from his job and decided to go full time in his own business that he started adding on all of these other services because he realized that's what people were actually willing to pay for. Not just a nice video, but also here's when to post it. Here's where to post it. Here's what to say. Here's how often to post videos. Here's like, here's the strategy behind it that will actually drive business results for you. Yep, exactly. So I don't know, Mihai, I don't know if you... Mm-hmm. Did you did you like when you started offering content? Was that was that a like a uh, a very like did you calculate that thought? Like okay, this is exactly I mean, this is kind, kind of yeah. Because the reason I mean the reason why I done that was because I was put kind of like in this uh, weird situation with a potential client that I that I approached and I asked him, hey, look, this is what I do: presentation, design, and so on. And he was a trainer, was a professional speaker. And I said, look, hey, can I help you out? And he said, okay, but I have an in-house graphic designer. Why do I need your help? He knows my business better. What what can you come extra to the table? And I didn't have an answer to that. So then I thought, okay, so trying to overcome this objection, I, I need to develop this kind of capacity as well. Mm, nice. I love that. I love that. I want to dive next, Mihai, into the freelancer to founder scale that... Mm-hmm listeners are becoming familiar with everybody who's on the show. We send you a questionnaire before our interview. One of a few questions on that questionnaire is a a scale from freelancer to founder. Uh, One being freelancer, 10 being founder. We ask you to rank yourself where you are now and then where you want to be in six Mm -hmm. to 12 months. You told us that you currently rank yourself at an eight on the freelancer to founder scale. So very close to a founder running a business, getting out of the day-to-day creative work uh, and that in six to 12 months, you'd like to be at a 10. Can you give us an idea of why you gave yourself those rankings? Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, so like I said, like, in, like I would estimate myself probably like, like seven to eight, probably on the founder scale, because simply put, I have already a team and we already expanded this year to have a second designer. And that really helped free me a lot because that's kind of how I calculated when I, uh, try to bring her in. I said, okay, let me try to bring a new designer and give her at first, give her enough work, enough projects to get back my cost with her. And she would be able to do that kind of like in half the time. And then the other, other half actually would uh, help us uh, also on our marketing, uh, 
uh, initiatives because we do a lot of visual content on Instagram, on, on slideshare presentations and all that. Uh, and that also allowed me to be now like more trying to focus more on some other kind of tasks and other strategic tasks, let's say. Hmm. So there's definitely a lot of opportunity still ahead of you in the business. What mm-hmm. What is a roadblock that Clay and I could potentially help you with? So the challenge that I'm facing and I've been facing for a couple of years, maybe was exactly how to have like a clear process in, uh, in uh, sales and especially in doing external sales, doing outreach and especially cold outreach. Uh, and having kind okay. of like trying to get that in a constant way in which, I don't know, ideally I can have a couple of leads per per month, let's say. Or, I don't know, a couple of leads, one, two, three leads, leads per, per week. I love that. I think Clay and I will probably have a lot to add to that conversation. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I have spent a lot of time researching and testing and trying and teaching around the idea of cold outreach, particularly cold email, cold pitching. Uh, I, I actually have built a lot of my business on the back of cold pitching. I believe in it. I think it can work if you do it right. So uh, I'll, I'll have a lot to offer there. Mm-hmm. I know Clay is a salesman, true and true, uh, <laughs> through and through, whatever the <laughs> phrase is. Like Clay is a really great salesman, so he will have a lot to offer as well. We're going to take a quick two-minute break here from uh, from this conversation to hear a word from our sponsors. Thanks so much to our sponsors for keeping this show going so that we can bring it to you for free. We'll be right back after a quick break. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. 
All right, we are back uh, with Mihai's. I'm Fear. We are chatting about his business here on Freelance to Founder. You're listening to the podcast Freelance to Founder. Also here with Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. And we're chatting about Mihai's business, which is uh, growing well. And he has identified, though, a, a couple of roadblocks that he has in terms of cold outreach or regular outreach systems around sales and outreach to get a good steady number of a few new leads every month, uh, something that he thinks will be able to take him from an eight on the freelancer to founder scale to more of a 10. And I agree. I think that can definitely move the needle on that. I'd love to start with some ideas from Clay on how he can, how Mihai can start to build some systems in terms of outreach into his business. What do you think, Clay? Well, okay. So, you know, it's funny you say I'm a salesperson in and out. Um, <laughs> I I am not, uh, surprisingly, I'm not that big into cold outreach um, or, or even outbound sales in general. Um, I've never, <laughs> I've never been deep dive into that. It's not that I'm against it at all. I just, I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm more of an inbound guy. And so obviously people want more inbound sales or inbound uh, leads. And so I have a lot of input there. Um, and so I can kind of give you ideas on that. If that's kind of the we direction. We can definitely talk about go. that too. <laughs> yeah. I, I think if people had the choice, had, had to choose between outbound and inbound, I'm, I'm pretty sure a hundred percent of the time people will choose inbound. <laughs> um, so Preston, I'm sure you'll have a lot more, a lot more uh, input when, when it comes to the outbound stuff. Um, but I'll, I'll give you my take on the inbound. Let's do it. Um, because, I mean, I've, I've done outbound. I've done plenty of cold calls in my life. Um, I've I've walked the pavement, so to speak, uh, plenty of times. And so, you know, the, there were there were times, you know, that time in my life when I did that, I, I figured out, and I'm going to tell you why I chose to focus on inbound, is because there's just so much time, like time is finite, and you can only do so many calls, so many pitches uh, in a given day. And so I think that limits, my opinion, your scalability. Uh, the only thing that I can think of is if you have a whole sales team um, if doing that. Which is really hard to achieve, right? Yeah, it's super hard. And we talked about in the last episode um, right? Uh, where it's very difficult to, to hire a, a good sales team. Um, but... So you have that hurdle, right? So, um, so that, that that's why I chose to, to focus on inbound uh, inbound leads. And so, so at that point when I decided, okay, I'm spending way too much time on outbound stuff because time is finite. I'm going to try to focus on how I can get more inbound stuff. And the cool thing that I like about inbound is it's exponential, right? If you do the right branding and marketing, then that stuff is exponential. It doesn't, it doesn't limit you based off time. And so if you have the right marketing campaign and branding, then you can get as many as one to two leads a day to a hundred or a thousand, right? It just depends on how much money you're willing to spend. Um, and so the thing, the things that, so the, the biggest thing I want to talk about here is you need to have kind of three stages of marketing. Um, and because if you go back into like the Mad Men days the, of the 1950s, um, where you could just like put up a billboard and then people will 
will just buy the product, right? Um, it's not that way anymore. I think it's like the three stages of marketing, I think, are uh, discover, engage, and convert. And so what I mean by that is if like discover strategies are going to be marketing strategies to get the people and like people who have no idea that you exist just to make sure that they know that you exist and that's it. Uh, You're not trying to sell them at that point, at that given point in time. You're just trying to make sure that they know that your brand exists and and it does this certain thing, right? Um, So there's all kinds of ways you could do that. Like the, the way I did it with my agency was we did a lot of content based off our culture. And so we... We did a lot of videos, a lot of photos based off our personalities, what we like to do, um, you know, doing dumb things like internet, like social media challenges and things like that. And so we just want, we wanted the people to just know us as people. And then, and then from that point, okay, now they know who we are. And so now what you want to try to do is you basically retarget those people and you, you target ads and marketing in, into the engage stage, which is, okay, they, they already know you exist, so let's try to get them engaged somehow. And that can be a lot of different things. That can be engaging on social media. That's commenting, sharing, liking. That could be opting into an email list, uh, whether they downloaded a free video series or an ebook or so, or some sort of how-to guide, something like that. Um, but they haven't bought your product or service yet, right? So they've engaged with your brand in some way. They're not lurkers, they're engaging, but they haven't bought yet. And so, and then you move them on to the third stage, which is convert. That's obviously, uh, you try to get them to convert into a client, but what you're doing is you're retargeting those people who have already engaged with your brand because they already know your brand and they trust your brand a little bit more than as if they were a cold prospect. And you basically run um, campaigns where you're asking for the sale. So what happens at that point is those people that are now inquiring about your services, they, they've engaged with your brand for a certain period of time. They have opted into something. They are constantly engaging with your social content. By the time you sit down with them and talk about hiring you for a service or a product, it is closing that sale is so much easier. And so that's kind of the general process of what I feel like how you do inbound marketing. I've been doing content marketing as well for a while. Um, but I think like we're kind of like on a right path there because we have a lot of content based on our personas as well. And we steadily grow like our traffic on, on mm-hmm. this. It's definitely like an interesting way, like trying to now, because also like our focus now on content is kind of like how we can trying to attract, like you said, like try to attract more people to get them to know it and then engage them. So like kind of like engaging them on multiple touch points. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me, I'll tell you the reason why this works so well is because, so if you're a prospect, you're looking to hire somebody to, to eventually, uh, eventually hire to solve a problem, right? Like you want to hire somebody, let's just say, for example, I need a pitch deck done or, or potentially need a pitch deck done. Um, mm-hmm. that person can hire any, any person 
out there. You, you know, as well as I do, there are thousands and thousands of people who can do that. Um, some are better than others, obviously, but I think in my opinion, Preston can give some, some feedback on this, <clears throat> but my opinion, people will do more times than not. People will hire somebody based off whether they like the person or not. Now mm-hmm. I, we can make, we can make the assumption that the work, like every single person they talk to has decent work. So if that's a constant variable, they're going to hire the person who they get along with, who they feel connection with some somewhere, somehow at some point. And so the beauty of like running a, a campaign or, or content on your social media of like just cultural stuff or, or um, when I say cultural, like company culture um, or content based on your hobbies or interests or just your personalities just in general, this is how people get to know you. And so they already made this connection. And so all you got to do is, as long as you're pumping this kind of content out there, all you got to do is wait for them to be in the buying mode. And then they're not going to call anybody else. They're just going to, they're going to call you because they, they've got to know you as a person. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe Preston has some, some feedback there and he probably has some straight, straight up cold strategies uh, <laughs> that might work. <laughs> You know, cold outreach and uh, cold calling, cold emailing, it kind of gets a bad rap. It, it's always said with this almost negative connotation, like, uh, well, because because we've all been there, right, where we're eating dinner and, and someone calls us in the middle of dinner and wants to sell us life insurance or something. We, so And so cold emailing or cold calling, cold pitching gets this really bad reputation in the business world, but I actually have built a lot of my business on the, on the back of that. Now I don't do a lot of colder outreach anymore. Now most, most everything is inbound, but I found it was a really great way to start. And I have a love hate relationship with content marketing. I've actually spent the majority of my career in content, content marketing, doing content to promote all sorts of things in my day, day jobs and also in my own business. The, the problem with comparing them apples to apples is, is, you know, yes, closing the deal is much easier once you've warmed up that lead, but it might have taken you two or three months of producing content to warm mm. up that lead. And yeah, so, yeah, and so, yes, it's easier in the actual closing phase than if you were to just cold call somebody. But if you take into consideration all of the work that led into it, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, but there's a lot of work that goes into building those warm leads, warming up those leads, so that when you do finally make an ask, that people are more receptive to it. And so I just I think we always have to look at it so that we're sure to compare apples to apples and say, yes, uh, yes, inbound is amazing, but also they both just take a lot of work. They both require a lot of dedication and a lot of effort. Um, to bring in the kinds of results that you need. It's different work. There's a, you know, on the, on the warm, on the inbound side, it takes a lot of work to warm up leads on the outbound side. It just takes a sheer amount of work. You have to make a hundred calls to get two leads instead of, you know, five or 10 calls to get two leads um, where they might be more warmed up. So it just, it's a different kind of work. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, uh, I think it depends on how much patience you have. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah. Uh, and I, so like how thick skin you have. Yeah. How willing you are to like hear no, no, no over and over again. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, I kind of compare 
you're right. It's not apples and it's not apples and apples. It's apples and oranges. I I kind of compare it to, uh, you know, SEO versus Google AdWords. Almost, it's very similar. Like you can you can get sales both ways. Um, for those of you listening, Google AdWords is basically you pay to have your 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 name at the top of search results, um, and SEO is just organic. But you know, AdWords you have to pay a lot more money. Uh, but you can you can get that at the top like very very quickly. So if you compare that to like cold calling. You know, you, you have to make a lot of calls, like right, like a lot of sales calls, and you can get a sale much quicker versus content marketing. Um, but but you do that at the same time as like in in my mind, you do both. You do both. Yes, you know? I agree, one hundred percent. So, so you could well. do, yeah, you could do cold, you could do cold uh, pitches or cold cold calls, but at the same time, you do content marketing. It only and you do that like until the content marketing uh the inbound leads start picking up and then you could get at a point where okay i don't have to do cold calls anymore because i I love that i love that actually we we moved uh a few years ago to a new house and there were no trees in our yard this will all make sense in a minute and i went to a a tree (laughs) nursery and this very old lady who had been like clearly been growing trees for 90 years or more um was was i basically said i need a tree that grows fairly fast so i can get some shade in my yard and she said all the trees that grow fast uh will blow over in the wind when they get tall so you don't want those what you want is a tree that grows slowly because it'll it'll last many many years right it won't blow over it'll be nice and strong and I said, yeah, but I don't want to wait for the shade. And she said, well, then do this. Plant plant a fast-growing tree now and a slow-growing tree now. And when the fast-growing tree grows up and is so big that it's about to fall over in the wind, cut it down. And by then, your slow-growing tree will be big enough that it also gives you shade. And I thought, what a cool, like, what a cool concept for a lot of things in business and in life to invest in both the short-term and the long-term. Um, and then, yeah, like you say, once the, once the inbound leads start coming in, that's exactly what's happened in my business. We did out outbound forever. Mm -hmm. And then finally the inbound started coming as a result of a lot of our outbound stuff. And and now we just get all inbound and it's great, but we had to do, we had to sort of plant both of those trees at the same time. (laughs) Nice. I mean, I love that analogy. I think you kind of have to do both. I, I, I come across so many businesses who do nothing but outbound. And the issue with that is if you stop the outbound activity, you're, you're out of zero sale. Like you're yeah. done. Yeah. You know, there's, there's no pipeline filled up. You know, it's just like, I don't know. It's it, yeah. You have to do both. You have to do both. And, and I will yeah. say in terms of answering your question more specifically, Mihai, in terms of systems for outreach, here mm-hmm. are some basic things that my team and I have done when we did a lot more cold outreach that really helped. We literally just set a time on our calendar every day or every week that said, during this hour, we're not doing anything else but cold outreach. So during this hour, we are calling people, we are emailing people, we are researching new people to call or email. You know, we would get on Twitter and search phrases like for freelancers because we were trying to connect with companies who were also trying to reach freelancers. Um, And we would, and so you could potentially, you know, go to Twitter or LinkedIn and search for phrases that your clients might use in their bio or in their tweets or in their posts. 
you could use that. And then you can use a tool like hunter.io or uh, LinkedIn, I think, has one that that finds people's email addresses. You can email them. Um, a lot of times, here's a little, a little hack. A lot of times we would email two people that we could find from the company, uh, which gave us an excuse to say, like, sorry, we didn't know which one to talk to. But we also tried to find people that we thought maybe one was a boss and one was not. Because mm-hmm. if you get an email where your boss is copied, you're way more likely to respond uh, to that email, even if it's cold outreach. And so, you know, there were little things, but but those were all the things that we did on a daily or weekly basis. Those were, there was no negotiation. We, we set up a, a process in our business where every Wednesday at 4 p.m. or whatever, or, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2, we, for an hour, would engage in these cold outreach activities. And that's the only way that we were able to maintain any level of constant business for the first little bit. Okay, so that's how you do it do it in the beginning, but then how can you, I don't know, kind of automate that or scale that in a way? Or, and then after, how was the process after? Okay, so you've done also the research, but then how does the flow work? I mean, how many times do you approach them? How many engagements? What kind of content are you sharing? Great, great question. Yeah. So I think that's Clay's, that's Clay's point a little, is it's it's harder to scale this kind of thing. But I will say, and it sounds like Clay has something to add. We used a tool, we ended up stopping using it but it did work well for a while and it was called reply They're at reply.io and there's hundreds of these kinds of tools, but it's email automation. So, you know, I, I put in a, a customized email and it sends to them with some customization so that it looks like it's not a spammy repeat email. And, and, you know, genuinely we didn't want it to be, we wanted it to be personalized and it was sent to them. If they, if they didn't respond in a, like three days, then the software would trigger another one that said, hey, just checking to see if you got my email. You know, we've all received these kinds of emails, but it would it would do our automatic follow-up for us. If the person did respond, it would turn off the rest of the sequence so that we could just have a conversation with them. And some of these tools help you manage all of those uh, potential clients all within the tool so that you can keep track of who's responding, who's not responding, who needs more follow-up, who's been a successful close, all of those kinds of things. We part where we connected it with uh, pipe drive, the tool pipe drive, and that showed us where each potential client was. So you can do things like that to, to scale and automate that. But there is a limit, obviously, because at some point you have to have a human being that responds to each, each positive response. The thing I was going to say is that have a good CRM, uh, which Preston mentioned yeah. pipe drive. Uh, there's, there's tons of good ones. Um, but I think a key a key to this is having a really good CRM and taking notes um, on kind of on follow updates and things like that. I just want to add to um, what will help with close ratio is to mix it up, mix up your follow up. And so what I mean by that is most salespeople will follow up the exact same way, which is typically email. And it's email after email after email after email. And so I think the issue with this is that people get bogged down with email. And like the last thing I want to see is a sales email um, from someone who they don't know. And so if, if you have like, and this is with the assumption that you have, you have talked to this person. Like if you have made it the first initial touch with this person and they are somewhat interested, like they didn't basically hang up on you or ignore you or whatever. Then if you, if you change up your, your follow-up methods, like, so 
Maybe you text them. Maybe you phone, do a phone call. Maybe you mix in some emails. Maybe it's a Facebook messenger, um, Instagram DM. Like there, there, if you mix this up, I, the, the chances of your, like your conversion rates will go higher. That's, that's from my experience. Um, and also I'm just going to throw this in there because it works brilliantly is if you have talked to, uh, someone like, like any kind of prospect, it it could be from a cold pitch or something inbound you have, you've pitched them and then they kind of ghosted you. Has that ever happened to you? Mm, Yeah. That that happened quite a lot. Yeah. So I want you to try this one method (laughs) And it works. You'll get a response, I swear, 80% of the time. And you may not get the sale, but you you will get a response 80% of the time. Is if you send them a message and all you got to say is, have you given up on this project? Question mark. And leave it at that. <laughs> Just don't say anything else. Say that one sentence. And I guarantee you, you will get a response 80% of the time because you know Why? Because psychologically, people hate giving up on things. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if it's an email, you might just put in the subject line, like, give it up. or and then, But in the body, you literally just say that one sentence. That's it. Okay. You, don't, you don't, don't say, have you given up on this project? Because I just wanted to follow up. Like, don't say that. You just say, have you given up on this project? Mm-hmm. And the responses you'll get are interesting. Because some people will say, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about this. Let's move forward, which is awesome. That's what you want. Uh, some people will say, no, I haven't forgot about you. Uh, keep hitting me up, which is amazing because now you're like, okay, this person is actually interested, so I don't have to cross them off my list. Or the third thing you'll get is, no, I'm no longer interested in this, which is good for you because, well, at least you can like stop wasting your time with them. Um, so you can cross them off your list. And then the fourth thing, you 20% of people will still ghost you, but, um, but yeah, you'll, you'll be surprised at the result, the, the responses you get with that. I love that. Mihai, we're coming up on the end of this episode. I want to make sure we've covered any mission critical questions that you had in the next few minutes. What other questions can we answer for you or what Uh, other Just kind of like a completion on the, on the cold email part and the cold outreach. I just want to ask you. Uh, okay, so with the, with the automation, we kind of like covered that, but uh, what's kind of like the sequence that you're trying to take the clients through? So in terms of content, for example, do you try to, how how did you pitch them on? Do you pitch them on in the first email about you or do you try to build something and add some more value at first, give them like a freebie or something and then pitch them later or schedule the call later? This is personal preference. This will come down to your own style. And also, I think it'll depend on your business and your type of client. For me personally, I skip all of that. And I actually hate emails that I get that I can tell are sales emails where people don't get to the point. I just want to know right away, what is it that you're trying to get out of me? You know, and and if you if you provide real value, which it sounds like your company does, then that shouldn't be a problem because you're actually mm-hmm. reaching out with existing value for a potential client. You don't have to like hide it behind uh, a lead okay. a lead magnet or a free this or a free that. Like just reach out and say, we provide, we offer this mm-hmm. value to your company um, and we want to do this for you. And if you truly believe in the value that you're offering, then it shouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's true. We can get to the point. 
that's that's my style. I, I like to just mm-hmm. get to the point and I like it when other people get to the point because I'd rather know quickly if they're not interested at mm-hmm. all in that kind of service or, or at least, you know, start the right kind of dialogue. If I start by, by I don't know, pretending I'm something I'm not, then it can almost feel disingenuine later to uh, to try to make a sale for me. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I would I would agree with that. Um I I I'm not so much against the 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 free value stuff. Um as long as you are very genuine about it, I think that's where a lot of people are turned off is is people will send that out, but like it's not it's not super genuine. Um and so they'll they'll follow up like maybe an hour later or the next day with a sales email yeah and so like you could have just just send the sales email instead of doing that um, yeah like if if mm-hmm. you if you genuinely were willing to help people i don't know audit their pitch deck for example you mm-hmm. could say hey mm-hmm. you know at no charge our guys are really good at this we're willing to audit your pitch deck uh just send it on over we'll give you five or ten bullet point ideas of ways you can make it better just based on what we've seen in the industry no strings attached uh, mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, if, if you truly mean no strings attached, then I think people will appreciate that and you'll get mm-hmm. some sales out of that. But if you, yeah. if what you really mean is, uh, I'm going to send you the bullet points and then I'm going to hound you for six months to hire me, then I, I think people won't appreciate that. And you'll actually have yeah. not a great track record. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. Yeah. I was thinking like more of, of kind of like us trying to get to the point early on, but then like in a reminder because you have to do a couple of reminders because right sometimes most people forget to to check or something. Absolutely, that's when I maybe try to provide a short value like, hey, look, this is something like a case study that we did with a similar client, or this is like some kind of free guide that we already have anyway. Why don't you have it anyway? Something like that, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think something like that could work well. I think mm-hmm. I think sales. I I think. It all, I think sales and, and, and marketing, it all, it's all the same as far as like, I think you need, you need to just test it, test like all everything that you're doing and keep the data on it. Um, so I, I agree with both with Preston on just get to the point, but also I would say just test it because every audience is different. And so, yes, totally. You know, like. Mm-hmm. And the way to test it is to keep the data. Like if you're not keeping data, like on, on, okay, how many did I pitch, you know, out of, out of a hundred straight cold, get to the point, how many sales do I, do I get mm-hmm. versus how many sales do I get? Um, you know, if I fi- offer a free guide at first and also like, what's your, what's your, uh, your sales, like your, your timeline as far as how long it takes to get the sale. That's something to consider too. So I, my answer is you try both, you, you record the data, see which one works better and then go from there. That's a really great answer. And tools like reply or some of these automated outreach tools can help you measure that data. You can set up different campaigns and then it'll measure open rates and click rates and response rates on all the different kinds of campaigns you can run. And then you can just simply turn off the ones that aren't working and leave the ones on that are. Very good point. That sounds great. Okay. Well, Mihai, unfortunately, we are out of time. We've had a blast. I hope I hope this has been helpful for you. It sounds like you're headed in the right direction. I appreciate you jumping mm-hmm. on a call with us today. Definitely. Thank you so much, Preston, for having me on the call. And thank you, Clay, also for, for being here. And yeah, thank you for the opportunity. You already gave me, I think, some good ideas that I want to try out. 
especially like with the auditing the pitch decks i think that's can that can be a cool interesting approach and yeah let's see and i definitely agree with both of you like because that's why i'm doing it as well like both inbound and outbound together that was a great, yeah. a great analogy with the trees well thank you guys so much it's been i think a really entertaining conversation i've learned a lot i hope you guys have too and uh, i mm-hmm. appreciate you guys definitely. being on the call awesome Thanks for thank you off. so much again thank you for having me appreciate it yeah sure thing take care mihai thank you too bye Freelance the Founder is a production of Milo. You can discover more business building resources for freelancers at millo.co. And you can learn more about Clay's business and level up your entrepreneurial skills by visiting getdripify.com. Freelance the Founder is distributed by The Podglomerate. You can check out their other great podcast at thepodglomerate.com. And the theme music was produced by Joaquim Carud. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. We'd love to have you join us on an upcoming episode. To learn more, visit freelancetofounder.com. That's all for this week's episode. Until next time, keep up the hard work and we'll see you soon. See ya.